0: Thank you. Here we go. Our next guest is one of the greatest drummers in all of rock and roll, and he is currently on tour with his band Rush, who just released a 30th anniversary edition of their seminal album, Moving Pictures. Ladies and gentlemen, now afterwards, everybody gets a ride in Neil's time machine, so hang around around for that. Please welcome for the finale of Drum Solo Week, Neil Peart. And welcome to the Nightfly Podcast with me, Dave Juskow. Begin the with the yeah, good old I'm like, Spirit Radio. Great Neil Pert or Peart? I think it's Pert, but I've never heard Letterman pronounce it that way. But here we are at the Nightfly, the week before, as they say in Friends, the one before the call-in show where everything you knew will change. You know, based on, uh, <laughs> based on if anybody calls. But 3462-JOSCO, uh, 7 p.m. this Thursday. I mean, this coming out on Tuesday. It would be this Thursday, the 23rd, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am taping this on Monday, Martin Luther King Day, and I have a dream... that everything is going to go swimmingly today. And that Thursday is going to be unbelievable. You know, I guess I should have thought of uh, some topics to talk about, but, you know, who cares, right? I mean, just uh, we'll call and you, you tell me what you want to talk about and we'll talk about it. I guess. Just got Forum. Nightfly Forum. Yes, you're on the air. How can I help you? I mean, this ought to be exciting, right? I mean... Well, like I said, we really can't go wrong if nobody were to call. I mean, I think my sister's going to call, but if nobody were to call, that's still funny. We've already decided this already. We don't have to go over this again. It's going to be good either way or weird or whatever it is. But listen, you know, we've given you 300 episodes and, you know, two of them will be clinkers or clunkers. Well, many more, you know, some they can't all be gems. That's what I say about my act all the time when I'm on stage. Hey, They can't all be gems. That's how I get off hey folks you've been great. They can't all be gems right I'm Dave Jessica. I'll see you next week <laughs> oh, no. I'm talking about um, uh w j u s maybe it'll be like that but you know that's that's six months of 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 quality shows in between before that happens so anyway happy week everybody and happy january and it is freezing outside in new york city it's a beautifully deceptive day this is really one of the great songs but uh, we'll get back to more rush talk later uh yes it's a beautifully deceptive day because i just went outside and it is nine degrees it's freezing. And uh, I I get very confused in my apartment of whether to turn on the heat or not. Many, you know, for years I would never turn on the heat because apparently it was broken until my super fixed it. I couldn't turn it on without it being on for the entire season because it wouldn't turn off. So I was afraid to always turn it on. And then, you know, I sit here and I'm like, well, you know, why should I be cold? And I think I'm always cold. And I don't know whether that's getting older or just a me thing. No, I think it's a me thing because now that I think about it, I told my mother in college when I, up in Ithaca that, uh, you know, I'm always going to need to do something because I have bad circulation, I think. My hands are always cold, and so that's always been the case. Okay, good. So it's not a getting older thing. Meanwhile, ironically, uh, this Thursday I went out to Long Island, and I'll tell you about that in a second, and I was on the train with Olga and this guy, Billy. Um, he's all right, I guess, and he's twenty. And I don't remember what they were talking about. I don't remember what they were talking about, but this is the first time I ever said, I, and this is scary and sad, but it was also funny. The first time I ever said, and I said to the kid, I said, boy, this is, the, this is the closest, this is the first time I've ever felt closer to 70. Whatever conversation they were having, I felt very out of place. You know, I am closer to 70. And I've been thinking about just telling everybody I'm 69 or 70 You know, just say I'm 70 now, and they'll be like, oh, my God, you look great. I'm like, I know. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, I know. And I'm still, you know, they'll be like, boy, he's so athletic. You know, that'll turn everything around. He's handsome. His hair is sick, amazing for 70. You know, I won't have to go back to that guy. Maybe I can get half my money back because if I say I'm 70, then everything adds up. You know, oh, he's retired. If I just keep saying I'm 70 and then it happens, maybe I can retire. You know, maybe I I can some. You know how easy it is to scam? You know, we think we live in this world where everything is computerized and you can't get away with anything. But if you think about it, 20 years from now, we will mock all of our security systems that are way lame and very easy to hack. Clearly, if the Russians are able to just. Hack my account for whatever reason they're going to, you know, do. I mean, I'm sure we can find, you know, a Jessica Pilot who knows how to hack everything. And, uh, you know, it's just it's easy to break into stuff these days because everything's handled by like one company. You know, there's like one Internet company that just provides all the information I know because Memo did a thing on it and I did the voiceover for it. So there's one place you really just need to get into and the whole world will crumble. So if you think we're living in an age of like top secret stuff, I still say it's easy to rob a bank. Even in this day and age with all the cameras and all that kind of stuff, if if you're smart enough, really, it ain't that great. Like I said, 20 years from now, we will mock it. We will mock our security when we thought we had high security in the 80s. Like a like a movie like Sneakers with Robert Redford, where he's like you know he was chose to like you know check out people's security systems. He was like, "Are you guys kidding? I just took all the money out of your bank and I bought it to you, and that's why I say you should hire me." This is a pretty good opening scene. Sneakers with the late uh, River Phoenix. Boy, was he terrific! <laughs> I guess are him and Joaquin are they? I guess they were brothers, right? Kind of funny that. If you think about it, okay, so River Phoenix overdosed and died, and then Heath Ledger died. Now, what does that have to do with it? Well, because River Phoenix's brother plays the Joker, and then the old Joker died. Interesting, and yet really not interesting at all. Nobody really cares. Anyway, the point of the story is, where was I going with this? I don't know. Here we are. Tomorrow uh, I have the, because th- th- I was thinking of something else. Tomorrow I have the uh, big event. when this. Well, this comes out today, uh, the big event at Gotham, the big charity event for uh, Gilbert Gottfried and his wife with uh, him and Judy Gold and Elon Altman emceeing. So it should be super fun. It's something to do. I haven't got a date yet for the Juskies, which it uh, doesn't look good. Does not look good, which, you know, cuts into well, everything I have been planning because I don't even know what's happening with March then. So it's not good. It's not. That's not good. However, Monday show at the Comedy Cellar, was terrific. And even uh, Ian Finance had texted me that, way. the reviews are in. He got a Twitter, uh, you know, direct message that said this was the best show I've ever... The 801 at the Village Underground was the best show I've ever seen. Everybody was great. The It didn't sell out. So, yes, problematic for Dave Jessica a little bit. But it was a quality, quality show. And once again, I had the luxury... Uh, basically, nobody canceling and nobody changing times. So again, I was able to work the show the proper way. There's two shows in a row. However, on the flip side of that, Vic Henley never showed up. Never texted, never showed up. Um, I don't usually text people the day before because they're professionals and they put it in their calendars and I just let it go. Uh, but I maybe I guess I should with people I don't. That don't work at the cellar as much. And Vic gave me a lot, of, a lot of manure about why he didn't show up. He goes, oh, I never got it confirmed through ST. And I'm like, what are you talking about? ST doesn't have every, anything to do with this show. And then he said, oh, I know. Um, I had food poisoning. Lots of excuses. Uh, but he didn't show up. But that worked out because Elon was there. And I said, Elon, why don't you go? I was going to put him up anyway even though I get nervous that because then it turned out that uh, this guy Nico White was taping him off the screen. They were watching at the cellar, so if Esty was there, problem for me again because I keep putting him on and Esty doesn't care for that, but I like the kid and he killed it again, so I don't know. I'm just trying to get him seen. I think he's really great. I know Esty's going to like him. This is the woman who runs, you know, manages, or not, but books the cellar, so I don't know what the issue is and why she won't. You know, take a look at him and have an audition, but I'm just going to keep putting him up because I really think he's terrific. He killed it, and he got me out of a tight spot where I was down a whole comic because he didn't show up. I couldn't believe. It. But the worst part was that the manager, I guess, didn't know who Vic was, so she paid Elon fifty bucks. I was going to give him twenty bucks. She goes, "No, I already got paid." He's like, "I already got paid fifty bucks," and I'm like, w-? "And then he just took it." Like I was like, "Well, you know, that wasn't meant for you." The manager messed up, and then I also I borrowed ten bucks from him and I Venmoed him. <laughs> like I, I don't understand why he doesn't understand how that fifty dollars comes out of my pocket. Maybe I should just tell him that, but I love the kid so much I don't want to bother him. But you know it's going to eat at me for a while. He is Jewish. There's nothing he can do about that, and he is cost conscious. Conscious. But he really is a good kid. I might have him on the Oscar show because I don't know whether Scotty Gorenstein can make it. I mean, little Scotty Gorenstein, he just called me today. I don't know. And I don't know if Memo wants to come twice because we're doing something for um, Dave and Donna for the Cars podcast the Saturday before the Super Bowl, which, of course, is pissing me off because, you know, I just I got to I got to relax Saturday before the Super Bowl. You know, I got stuff. I got to I got to be in my own head. But. We're doing it early enough that, that everything should be okay, but then I thought we'd, you know, tack on the, the Podcast episode since Memo's here and get everything out at once for the Oscar ones, which will come out on, what, February? What what date is that? Uh, let me take a look here. The uh, the Oscars are February 9th, so we would be putting out the podcast February 4th. February 4th, right? And we'd tape it on February 1st. Yeah, that's the plan. So the plan is... As you know, on the 28th will be the call-in show, which some of you might have already heard because you're on the phone, but that's the way it is, and then you'll hear the full show on January 28th. I hope I didn't say February. And then February 4th is the Oscar show, and then February 11th, we're alone. February 18th will be Michael Riedel from the New York Post, theater critic. The 25th, we're alone, and March 3rd will be Richard Klein who plays, of course, Larry from Three's Company, who is the greatest. So we got lots to do. Three, four, six, two, just Gal this Thursday at seven. I really don't know how that's going to go. I know I keep talking about it, but it, it's exciting. So I guess we'll see. Let's move on. Uh, I just, I played that Neil Pert stuff up, or pert whatever, I don't know. It seemed, I pronounce everybody's name incorrectly, but you know, that's, your point, your problem for having a stupid name uh, that's not pronounced or spelt correctly. Now, just cow. I mean, I don't know why people have a tr- trouble with that. J U S just just. Why wouldn't you say it? why do you say Jew Jews just J U S. That's the way it's it. And then cow. would I mean. What how else would it be pronounced? How is it co if there's a W at the end? Thank you. And David, well, forget about that. I mean, come on. Ugh hate my first name. Anyway, uh, this guy, you know, Neil Peart was really known and that letterman clip that I played up front, you should you should go on YouTube and look at it cuz you got to see the drum kit he has and of course he's known for having the hugest drum kit of all. He must have about 30 or 40 different kinds of drums there in this little circle of, you know, place he's built, <laughs> you know, to perform in. And um, he seems to use every single one. So it's worth watching to see this. That was from 2011 on Letterman. I don't know who the other drummers were, but uh, boy, that ain't going to happen again. I think where they just have people drumming for five minutes on a show. But it sure, boy, it does, you know, you just look like, ah, this guy, drumming all sounds the same. And I don't really know the difference except, you know, maybe I noticed the difference of, uh, uh, who's the the guy from the police? Uh, uh, Stuart Copeland. Stuart Copeland was, um, you know, we knew he, like, he was known as a great one. And he, you know, you can see, like, he changed, the way he drummed was different than, at least for my feeble musical brain. You know, I could tell the difference. in Neil Peart, I didn't know that much. I just know, you know, people do worship him. And, you know, how do I know that? I know because of all the references they make to him on Family Guy, like when, he, um, when Chester Cheetah uh, from the Cheetos commercials was doing lines of Cheetos <laughs> and then got all riled up about Neil Peart. Uh, oh, God, there is no fucking drummer better than Neil Peart! It ain't easy being cheesy. Yeah, classic. And, you know, it's hard to find that clip with the uh, actual fucking in it. Usually, they bleep it out. But all the Family Guy episodes, if you get them on DVD, I think they take out the bleeps and use all the curses. Why shouldn't they? But uh, Family Guy also does. They do a lot of Neil Pert jokes. Neil, Neil Pert. Right. Anyway, um, because I, you know, he was. He was great. I mean, you know, you think about Rush. If you know anything about Rush, and certainly they have sick fans, but you know, they were never at the level of the police. Even though, you know, in 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 every like your mother knowing them or something like that. But they, it's three again, three guys making all that music. It's quite phenomenal. I can't believe I got fired, and right before the holidays. Oh god, I've ruined Christmas! Like the little drummer boy when he got really into Neil Pert. Our finest gifts we bring. He knocks over the baby Jesus after he finishes drumming, but another Neil Pert reference. But anyway, he's dead, and he died. Um, I don't know, a week or two ago, I guess, just before we signed off. And uh, certainly was an interesting fellow. And you know, it's it. What of course it reminded me of, and I and I didn't. You know, everybody knew Getty Lee because he's the, the lead singer and everything. And of course, the first thing I thought of was the old Bob and Doug McKenzie take off to the Great White North. And I think that's just Getty Lee, but it's just like that's how I found out about Rush, you know, in the early 80s from Bob and Doug McKenzie from SCTV and Getty Lee did, you know, from the album. And this song was like popular, which is just so funny that something like this would be popular on the radio today. With talking, it was like the last of the old-fashioned albums of talking and music that that was actually a single on the radio with the talking and everything. This is uh, the hit single section of our album, Good Day. Good Day. Uh, Getty Lee is here from Rush. Uh, hi, Getty, I'm Bob McKenzie. This is my brother, Doug. How's it going, Getty? Oh, it's going pretty good. Good day. Eh? Good day. Good day. Uh, thanks for coming down to do our hit. Well, it's my pleasure. Eh? Did did our lawyer call you? Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, 10 bucks is 10 bucks. Uh, we were, uh, I hope you don't mind, but there's a photographer that's going to be taking pictures of us together to prove that you were here doing yeah. uh, the record. In case people come, don't believe us. Yeah. How come he's not wearing a toque? Oh, he's not from the Great White North, eh? Yeah. Hey? Okay, so if you'd like to uh, put on uh, a toque and some headphones, we can uh, do the hit single now. Sure. Okay? I, that'd be great. Do you, you have the lyric sheet? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I memorized them. Oh, great. Beauty. Okay. How did how did you do that so fast? I'm a professional, eh? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just sit over here, like, while you're singing, eh? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Okay. Good luck, eh? Good okay. Luck. okay. Okay. Where the DJ talks Don't say anything Okay Oh, beauty, go Okay Good day welcome to our single I'm Bob McKenzie And this is my brother Doug How's it going, eh? Beauty, eh? Yeah, I like that Okay. Okay Okay, everyone This record was my idea Get out It was You're lying he hose here just sort of rid on my coattail. Why are you doing this? It was our idea together. Right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. We agreed to, to say that but I'll take off. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Okay, so good day. Our topic today is music. That's right, because like, my brother and I are now experts in the field, yeah? Eh? Right, because we're a band now. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so. except for him, I'm a band. Oh, how can you do that? You're making me look bad. You're such a hose hand. Yeah, well, take off! Take off! it's covered. you know what it is what it's a drum solo okay everyone like this is me on the drums oh, eh? get out. It is not- i say that all the time like this is me on the drums eh i say that all the time and of course no one knows where it's from but i thought that was the funniest line ever when i heard it so i still say it when i hear a drum solo i'm at a bar i'm like hey this is me on the drums eh and of course No one understands it. No one knows where it's from. Why am I saying, A, I don't even know if I'm doing the right accent or anything. But I, again, it's like Tourette's. I can't help myself. I say it, and it's from that all the time. Like, really, all the time. Like, what is that, 40 years? I've been using that line. Hey, that's me on the drums. No, it's not. I just thought that was, like, the funniest line. But, uh, Boy, that was, it was, it's so funny that that was, like, popular. But the song is fun, and it was good, and you remember, you know, it was one of those things where, like, I didn't really know what Rush was, but anybody that had a sense of humor who was a musician and was on SCTV was my new favorite person of all time. So, Geddy Lee ruled, and then, you know, I was like, oh, I guess this Rush is okay, you know, let alone... Anybody that was on the Fish and Musician, so you know, Wendy O. William and the, and the Plasmatics, and who, who the other like John Cougar, or especially Hall and Oates, of course, um, they did the Chariots of Eggs. They weren't on the Fish and Musician, but you know, anybody that was on <clears throat> on the uh, SCTV as a musician was way cool because clearly they got it, and you know. It's just way cooler than, I mean, it's easy to be on Saturday Night Live, but to be on SCTV, you had to be a special person, because only the few of us got it, or especially remember it um, at this point. Speaking of which, I was, so they had, uh, going back to last week's show, when we were talking about Buck Henry, uh, NBC aired an old Saturday night live episode actually the first one with buck henry in january of 1976 and i just started taking notes because it's like it was uh, so much of it was very fascinating i it you know the fact that there was so much that you know is the reason why saturday night live was famous on this particular episode with buck henry Again, I don't know how much he had to do with it. It was very obvious, you know, since he hosted twice a year, obviously the cast worshiped him very much. But the first part was he, it was the first time he was hosting and they did the scroll. And he goes, I'm so glad, you know, they asked me to host Saturday Night Live. And then they start scrolling, Buck wasn't our first choice. Here's the list of people we had. And, you know, it's really funny. And while that's going, the audience is laughing. And it's just what we talked about last week, and that was the first one, not the Carrie Fisher one, but that was something they started to do all the time when Buck Henry was on. Also, it was uh, Samurai Delicatessen. Now, it wasn't the first time Samurai was on, but the first time I think it was on with Richard Pryor, but it was the first time I think they decided that every time Buck Henry's on, we'll do a Samurai one. And... And, you know, it didn't get an applause break when they said Samurai Delicatessen. So it wasn't well known yet. This was the second time. And it was, uh, you know, he's making a a sandwich. And then Belushi, you know, hits the tomato with his sword. And that gets an applause break because it was pretty amazing. You know, he threw it up in the air and hit it with the sword, which was way cool. Because, as you know, it's live. And then the best was Buck was talking about the Super Bowl for 1976 between the Steelers and the Cowboys, which is so funny. And he's like, what do you think um, Bradshaw is going to really put it together this time? You know, uh, I think I got a good feeling about him. They, you know, did not end up winning, of course. But it's funny. So he's talking about Bradshaw in 1976. And then the day after, Terry Bradshaw, still being relevant, is handing the award to the 49ers yesterday as they become the NFC champions and go to the Super Bowl. And he's talking about, you know, when I won the Super Bowl or something, on our way to the Super Bowl, I mean, how do you like that for something from 1976 where everything else seems to be irrelevant? Terry Bradshaw still remains relevant. Also, it was the first time Chevy Chase depicted Gerald Ford as a bumbling fool because I believe the week before was the week that he stumbled, I guess, and then was known for stumbling, and the entire sketch was based on whatever you do to look stupid will also do to look stupid. So it was like the first time that they did that, and clearly Buck Henry had something to do with that because he was the driving force between, before the, the entire sketch. Also, there was the uh, Howard Shore and the All-B Band you know, with the bees, and you remember the first season, uh, Belushi and all the cast played bees, and, you know, he hated it, and everybody hated it, but they kept doing the bees. But this was the first time they were technically, it was the Blues bees. so it was the first time they ever did the Blues Brothers on the show, but they were dressed as bees, and Belushi was amazing. He was doing that thing with, uh, you know how, like, Letterman would always go to Paul Schaefer, and he'd hit the drum, and he'd be like, boom. But, but so he was doing that and it was really funny and the and it was and it was short enough where you know there was no way to lose and he did three flips Belushi did like a you know like one cartwheel and then a couple of somersaults but yeah, I know we see that in the Blues Brothers movie which clearly isn't him but no he was that's what made him such an interesting guy as heavy as he was he was very physical and uh, you know clearly Chris Farley tried to emulate that. Later on, as all fat guys do and stuff like that, but Volucci was truly the shit. Also, I noticed that uh it they had with during the news, they had the, and now the news for the dead, and they had Alan zybell um pretending to be dead, you know, in the little box corner where they used to have Garrett Morris doing the news for the hearing impaired, and then he'd shout, Ah, top story tonight. Um, but Alan Zweibel, who would later, you know, write, direct, and produce the Larry Sanders Show, so I noticed all this from this 1976 episode. It was amazing, uh, and they had just, you know, when Buck Henry came out at the end, it was just seven people, you know, just the the main cast and everything. It's, it's just so funny they have like you know 50 people out there now, and it was just so basic back then. It's like I don't I don't know why they don't. I guess that's just not the way it is, but I like the basics, you know, just a minor five people plus Michael O'Donoghue and Alan Zweibel came up at the end. And then Buck Henry goes, listen, I I would just like to, you know, just say one thing before we go. Uh, this has been such a, a great weekend. You have to thank not just, you know, the players and everything, but the crew, the guys that work, the cameras, all these people that put this show together and they're all gay. <clears throat> And that, that was the end of the thing and and it's just so funny that um that was really funny back then and now I don't know. I mean I don't know why and he goes not that there's anything wrong with that. He got he said that before, you know, twenty years before Seinfeld did that. So that was I don't know. I found the episode to be very interesting. It it's cut down from an hour, but I like the the, the musical guest was this guy, Bill Withers who I was like, I don't know who that is. And then he started playing that song from Notting Hill that we like. Ain't no sunshine. Baby. Ain't no sunshine. So I'm like, oh, I know that one, too. It's funny, like, you know, when you see some, oh, I don't know who that guy is. And then you hear the song. And I'm like, wait, that's the guy? That's the first time? Because people cover that song every day. That one and uh is it the? I guess. I don't know. But uh yeah, really interesting episode from the first season, January nineteen seventy six, so they had just, you know, finished all the ones in the fall and come back. I don't know, maybe it was episode nine or something. I was fascinated as as I was watching and just you know, really into it, obviously, and I was excited to tell you guys about it so that's why i had mentioned it anyway uh and i waited to do the podcast on monday when i had plenty of free time on friday but i'm like "Eh, let me wait till you know after i must have had something to do on saturday that was what was it oh right i saw star wars yeah that's what i did i went with uh rachel and her husband and my friend caitlin and her husband and you know finally went to see the last star wars because you know to finish what I started in 1977 by seeing all the Star Wars in the movie theaters. And you know what? I sit there and I go like, why does anyone even go to the movie theaters anymore? It's just so horrible. People are coughing and eating and stomping and yelling and they bring babies. Two people bought their babies. No wonder the movie theaters are dying. Why would you ever want to go for that experience? Plus, There was one person working behind the concession stand. That's ridiculous, but at least I was able to get my own popcorn, put on my own butter, and then I got a grape soda, which was amazing. I should have gotten a large. It was so good. And I got uh, cookie dough bites. Oh, my God, it was delicious. So That was good. But meanwhile, I'll probably write to that company, too, because I'm on fire. I I heard back from the VIP Experience Cinema Bistro thing, whatever the hell that place is called. When I wrote to the president, I said, your place stinks. And he's like, I'm sorry, you know, please be my guest next time, which I not what I was going for. I just want to tell them, you guys stink. And it's like, you know, it's still going to suck next time. They're like, oh, you have unlimited popcorn. I'm like, I don't want unlimited popcorn. I just want one in a sterile bucket, not, you know, a glass that somebody's washing. And I don't want a soda in a glass. I want it in a paper cup with a straw of ice. That's, that's all you ever want in a movie theater. Nobody wants to drink out of a glass like you're at a bar or something. Oh, my God. Don't get me started again. Look what, look what you've done. It makes me so angry. Anyway, so this last Star Wars, it was... Um, uh, they've all been horrible. All just every... Since the first three, or the middle three, whatever you want to call it. They've all been absolutely horrible. They've managed to take away any joy that was that first beautiful star wars experience and let alone the second one and third one just being okay you know you got to finish the trilogy <clears throat> but they, they they really managed to ruin uh somebody who being the exact perfect age to be you know for star wars to be made from they they've managed to the the, the one the one experience my dad and i experienced together and might have had a good time they've They've managed to ruin that experience by making six other very subpar or, you know, awful movies. Uh, I won't even talk about 1, 2, and 3, which are the biggest bags of shit I have ever seen. And maybe if you had to watch 1, 2, or 3, maybe you'd watch 2. And then the 7, 8, and 9, you know, at least the old characters are back or something, you know, so... You know, seven. I you know I didn't like because you know the way they treated Harrison Ford. But then the eighth one wasn't horrible because Mark Hamill was in it and he was funny. And the ninth one, this one, everybody's like, it's really good, it's really good, but it's just okay because it's still missing. It's missing. I don't know who anybody is, and I'm sorry. This is not an old person thing. This is like I knew what I was getting into that first Star Wars. I know there's there's the the the, the boy. Who wants to be a man? Mark Hamill, and he wants to fight and he wants to do something special. There's a princess. <laughs> it's the easiest thing is a goddamn princess who's trying to save her people and, and and fight for good. And and then there's there's an old mentor and there, there's a, a swashbuckler and a major villain. The five people. I was able to very easily keep track. And then and then the droids for laughs. And this one, they got people. I don't know what the fuck is going on. I don't even know who the main character is. Who the fuck is she? Daisy Ridley, whatever her name is. Why is she there? I, I, I have no feelings for her whatsoever. Adam Driver, who cares? No one cares. Who cares? That's the problem. You don't care what happens to any of them. If any of them died, you'd be like, "Eh, what's the big deal? You just don't give a shit." If that's the that's what they missed from all of this. They would have been better off to strip it down and just really make it. And all these new characters. This guy Poe, who I don't know. Who this guy is he's he's good looking, but if they were trying to replace him with Harrison Ford, they made a huge mistake. He's whining the whole time. He's making he's just an asshole. And then um. I, I I don't know. It was I mean, there's there's very good parts about it, but there's all these new characters who you just don't care about. And you know, you tell me, watching that first one, do I care about Luke and Leia and Harrison Ford and Han Solo? You know, and 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 even Darth Vader. Yeah, I care about all of them and how things are going to work because I don't. There was something about it that made it sincere. Here, I'm I'm telling you, I don't I don't think. It's anybody that's young. I mean, look, who gives a shit? I think the only person you care about is BB-8. She's adorable. That was a good new cast member. That's about it. You, you made an, an excellent new droid. And that's where it ends. Meanwhile, there was a nice surprise in it, which made me very happy. But other than that, it's a really bad... You know, and it's not a bad film. It's just... you You just don't care. And it's really frustrating you know sitting there you're going like you know and that's when it gets old you're like these kids they got no fucking idea (laughs) you're looking at look at these fucking people (laughs) that's that's where that's when you get your old ways you know just getting angry and stuff so I was thinking that today I was thinking I guess I'm an old man now because you know I'm just so angry at the world but the fact of the matter is Dave Jessica has been angry at the world since he was five so I you know what's the difference? I've just always been this way. This angry at everything and just I you know it's just now I'm just angry at a lot I don't know different stuff because there's more different stuff to be angry about and you know you get more information nowadays so there's much more stuff to be angry about. But uh I mean I'm not angry all the time but you know that's but they blame old people just being angry uh about everything but it's like you know some people are just angry about everything. Like we always talk about those Holocaust survivors who were enjoyed life after they survived this unbelievable thing. And, you know, and when they die and they're like, he was happy, she was happy, they, they were life affirming. It's it's fascinating because you you think, you, you know, you'd be life affirming for the first 20 years and then you'd be like, God damn it. You know why? You know, you think it would change, but it never did. It's funny how you can remember because we don't remember anything a lot like you know me dying I'm not comparing this to the Holocaust by the way I'm just using it as an example when I died and came back to life I sat on the glass table died and came back to life and then you know for the first six months and I've talked about this before you're like yeah I'm going to change things I'm going to make a new life for myself I didn't do anything because after six months you forget and I go back to that Mary Tyler Moore episode where I first learned about it where Ted has the heart attack and he looks at the sunset every day And then he makes everybody else look at the sunset. And then, they, you know, it's like 7 o'clock. And they're like, hey, Ted, we're going to look at the sunset. And then he just walks away. And they're like, I don't understand what's happening. And then Lou Grant says, oh, yeah, I remember this feeling. When we thought we were going to die in World War II, you know, we were all like this. And then it fades. I know it's just a TV show. But listen, if you're like me and you live your life around sitcoms and these TV shows, then every word has meaning to them, let alone, you know, it's all these these, these, I mean, those were some great writers. So that's why it made such an impact, why I remember it to this day. Why do I remember that episode? Because it obviously spoke to me. You know, why do I remember, you know, some episodes from Small Wonder? That's a whole other story. I don't know how to explain that one. Why do I, why am I watching Sabrina the Teenage Witch every day? And I'm like, I remember this episode. Why? I don't know why. Meanwhile, I've been watching, you know, it's on 5 o'clock. I've talked about it last week every on Antenna TV. So I saw one, um, uh, a couple of days ago, I've just been watching him when I wake up. And uh, <laughs> Salem called up Sabrina as her boyfriend. He goes, "Hi, Sabrina, it's Harvey. Would you like to go on a date?" She's like, "I would love to." He goes, "Can you also bring a can of tuna with it?" <laughs> and then they just show him on the phone fo- talking into the phone. You don't know how he got that phone to sit upright. And so, you know, Salem doesn't have any magical powers; they're all taken away. So that's what makes it extra funny. Now that's comedy. David Tell and Jeff Ross can do whatever they want, but they're still not going to have the prowess, the prowess, (laughs) as Salem the Cat had from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I will tell them that to their face. I'm like, you guys can try and be as funny as you want, but you will never beat Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch and the magic of Nick McKay. (laughs) That's who we should get on the podcast. If he's still alive, I assume he is. Oh, so yeah, look at what the Star Wars did to us, but uh, we move on. It's over, thank God it's over. I've filled my commitment, I've watched every movie in the theater, I've seen every movie more than once, every one because I don't know, I guess I had to. The first one I must have seen I don't know fifty times. More than that, probably. I mean, at this point, I'm talking about the movie theater. I must probably went back. I mean, I know it went back. I mean, that's the amazing thing. My father and I went back with my sister for a second time. I was just talking about my mother. She was like, yeah, I saw that. I'm like, when did you see that? You didn't want to come with us. I've seen it. I don't know why she didn't want to go. She would get sick every time. She couldn't go to the movies. She couldn't go to the, the driving movies at all. She was just sitting in the car. She gets sick all the time. Um. Then I saw The Empire Strikes Back, like, you know, 30 times. And then uh, Return of the Jedi I saw twice. But I remember, you know, in 1977 when that movie came out, Star Wars, it was always the, like, who's seen it more? And it turned out that the guy who worked in the theater had the thing because he had seen it, like, 500 times because he worked there. But that doesn't count. You got to go and pay for it. That's the person who wins. But it was always like, yeah, I know a guy's brother who saw it, like, 120 times. It really was... uh kind of spectacular. It's like what I always talk about, how movies before I was born were just absolutely horrible, and of course, you can debate that a hundred times if you want, but they stunk, especially if you're a kid. You know, maybe they're better now. You're an adult. You can go back. You can look at something like Rear Window, which is really great. Alfred Hitchcock, which is really great. But were you going to watch that at 13? Uh, Maybe. But, you know, mostly all those movies sucked. They just didn't make entertainment for kids. And then this movie comes out, which changed everything i mean everything because it changed movie making it changed family movies because this wasn't mary poppins even though that was a game changer at the time but it also changed movie making i mean george lucas as much as we hate him now for everything that he's done since star wars and taking out and only giving cable tv the star wars ones he wants which you have all these new scenes. We want the pure, old-fashioned Star Wars. And now he puts that idiot who was in 1, 2, and 3 at the end of Return of the Jedi. He's such a douchebag. He makes those horrible 1, 2, and 3. But besides that, <laughs> you know, he changed movie making. He changed lighting. He changed the way we look at movies and what we expect from stuff. I mean, he really was a game changer, and it's a fact. But Harrison Ford... This guy, and I don't know why he's so no fun now that he's older. Not that he was ever a fun guy. I mean, every interview, its I mean, this guy must be a great actor because even that Mike Douglas clip we always play where him and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher are on the Mike Douglas show, I mean, he is no fun. I mean, Harrison Ford is a, not a fun guy in any way, shape, or form. But in that goddamn movie, in Indiana Jones... He's hilarious. He's awesome. He's manly, and he's a swashbuckler from the old days, and he's just kick ass, awesome. And in person, he stinks, and that's why I don't know why we couldn't get that in Star Wars Seven. I guess they just didn't let him, you know. So he was more like the Harrison Ford, not actor guy, because he clearly didn't want to be there. And again, that's what it's missing. There's nobody. There's nobody fun. In the show, and if they think that they are in this movie, then everybody's lost their sense of humor because it stinks. When Mark Hamill has to be the most hilarious one in a movie, you, you've done something horribly wrong. Meanwhile, this Mark Hamill is so cool as the Joker in Batman, everybody would prefer to see him as the Joker instead of Joaquin Phoenix. Boy, that movie stunk. I gotta tell you, so I've seen a couple of movies. I'm getting ready, you know, for the Oscars thing. I've seen a couple, right? So, this Marriage Story. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. I can't believe all these movies that everybody's saying is great. Joker stinks. I mean, I just, I couldn't stand it. I just want something else. I guess his performance is good, but who cares? I just don't care. Marriage Story. Everybody's like, "This is great. This is great." I hated it. I hated it. I had no idea it was going to just suck and be horrible and depressing. And oh my God, I just, and I hate Scarlett Johansson. It's still not working for me. She stinks. She is just nothing. She gives nothing. There's so many actors. I mean, Adam Driver, I can deal with. He's good. He's interesting. There are just some actors who do not at least speak to Dave Juskow that I don't understand. Like Denzel Washington, where everybody says, you know, that's a problem because everybody says you're just racist. I'm like, oh my God. No. I just find him to be the dullest actor in the history of acting. He's very, very dull to me. I don't know why. Apparently, he's not that way to everybody else. Scarlett Johansson is such a bore. So I'm, I got to see this Jojo Rabbit. I have it here at my house. Everybody says it's great. But she's in it again. And she's nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress. Why? It's like the same reason Jennifer Aniston won Best Actress last night at the SAG Awards. At the SAG Awards. She is the worst actress I've ever seen. What is happening and Brad Pitt Brad Pitt won. if I'm telling you this folks if this idiot wins an Oscar now I'm sure if I'm sure he's the greatest guy and but again here's another bore and a half everything this guy does is a bore is he gorgeous absolutely but I was thinking I was about like Robert Redford and Paul Newman Robert Redford is technically a bore but he's you know he was gorgeous in his day but there's something about robert redford to me that was entertaining and every movie he's in i like even though he's kind of dull paul newman too but there's something about these two with brad pitt i get nothing from him i'm just not getting it i don't know i mean i know he's good looking but that's where it ends for me. He's a very dull actor. I do not feel the same about Leonardo DiCaprio. I get feeling from him. I get something more. I look forward to seeing him in movies. I look forward to seeing Matt Damon in movies. I think he's very interesting. Um, even, you know, Mark Wahlberg is more interesting than Brad Pitt. But if you're going to pass over, if you're, especially these stupid actor awards, the Oscars are stupid, right? But If you're going to pass over Joe Pesci's performance in The Irishman and give it to Brad Pitt, you're a fucking moron. Everybody in that academy is clearly a moron since all they do is talk about the lack of diversity, the lack of women. But it's your own community that's not voting it. So what do you want? If you're not voting for Joe Pesci for Best Supporting Actor, I'm talking to you, Academy. If you're not voting for Joe Pesci as the Best Supporting Actor, you're an idiot. You're a genuine idiot. Brad Pitt is getting a lifetime achievement award. That's all he's getting. Joe Pesci deserves a best actor award for acting. His perform. Brad Pitt, you're getting the same performance every single time. You might as well give it to Al Pacino then for the last twenty years of work. Hey, hey, the Irishman. Come to the theater. It's gonna be great. I mean. That's what you're getting. That's what you're giving him an award for. We like you, Brad. You, you've you been great. And, and all your relationships make us happy. You're an asshole if you're voting for that guy. What Joe Pesci did in the Irishman, okay, let's say that was his first performance. We'd be like, that eh, was pretty good. But now that we know what he's capable of in his history, he should be getting the Lifetime Achievement Award. His performance blew everyone out of the water. We already did a whole podcast on it. But if you now, if you're gonna, you're gonna snub him for this unbelievable performance, and let me tell you, folks, the odds are in Brad Pitt. You know, on my site, Joe Pesci's plus six hundred and fifty. He's the next competitor. I'm definitely putting money on him. But I, I'm really upset that Brad Pitt's gonna win. I'm not. If and I tell you, if they stand for him, I'm just, I'm gonna punch somebody in the face. When Joe Pesci wins that award, you stand for him. I guess what we listen, it's a popularity contest. We get it, it's not about acting. If you're actually that's what you're hoping the Screen Actors Awards would show okay, this is for acting, it's not a popularity contest. But if Jennifer Aniston wins for anything besides Friends, in which she was brilliant, then everything is askew because Jesus Christ, she's. Stinks. Give it to um, the hot Renee, what the one from Legally Blonde. Oh my God. Okay, now I'm getting old. All right, this is the thing. Um, Reese Witherspoon. Give it to her. She's ten times better. She's better. Steve Carell's ten times better. Jennifer Aniston is a horrible actress. And 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 if the Screen Actors Awards are giving her a guild, which I'm a part of, believe me, I voted. I did not vote for either of those two. I voted and I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I voted for that kind of shit. They didn't listen to a goddamn word I said, and it probably unfortunately goes back to you know when I you know was voted for the TV categories and only voted for Sabrina the Teenage Witch. All right, so I sunk myself in that. But uh that was hilarious. But um goddamn it. You know I love good acting and I worship it, but everybody has their favorites. I just don't un- I understand the Brad Pitt allure but it's just not there for me you know I just love a good acting performance again I think Robert Redford is very much like Christopher Reeve what we talk about all the time this guy was a horrible actor but he was good looking he was tall he was a good leading man and it's just like I don't know you know there was something about him that was interesting there's something about him. what's interesting about Brad Pitt has he done excellent charity work yes has he produced some interesting movies yes but we're talking about acting now. He ain't that great. Has he paid his dues? Yeah, I guess so, but I don't know. Do you have to pay dues when you look like that? Is that a thing? You know, should Paul Giamatti always win Best Actor? Probably. I mean, this guy, you know, I don't know what the fuck he's in or anything, but I'm just saying, that's the people who are disgusting should always get Best Actors because the fact that they made it in this business at all is a miracle. But, uh, yeah, so you gave two pretty people... Two pretty people that actually used to be married to each other. Your best acting awards. Well, well done. You've mocked the 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 acting community. I hope you're happy with yourselves, you dumb fucks. Thank you. And as a member of the Screen Actor Guild, I don't mind telling any of those my peers in the Screen Actors Guild that you're all fucking idiots. Please take away my card, jerk-offs. Next time vote for the real people that deserve acting awards. I can't stop because I'm just I'm just and now I'm so pissed off because I, I I forgot I was a member of the stupid community. Anyway, the one thing they actually got right yesterday, uh, I just saw it on the Today show today, Parasite. I watched that movie. Boy, is that interesting. Did not see where that was going, knew nothing about it. It's Korean with subtitles. And, boy, was that interesting, and I get what all the hype is about. Now, should it be nominated for Best Picture? No, because it's going to win Best Foreign Language Picture. That's where it should stay. But it's nominated for Best Picture. I can't imagine it would win, but it sure is entertaining and um, really interesting. So if you get a chance to see that, I know it's got the subtitles and everything, but it's pretty easy to get over, but it's really really interesting, a bunch of twists and turns you wouldn't see coming. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. So, so I've seen a lot of stuff. I got to see this Jojo rabbit. I got to see it. Everybody says it's great. Again, what everybody says is great. Doesn't turn out to be great. So who knows? Uh, I want to see bombshell. Of course, you know, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, What's the other one I have? Uh, There's a third one. Oh, uh, well, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Let's see what the buzz is about. All right, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Just assuming... I'm just... Right now, I'm just talking about his previous work and Joe Pesci being better. But if I watch that movie, I just don't want to see it. I don't know why. It just looks too cool for school, right? But, all right, I'll check it out if it's this big thing. I mean, right now, it's the odds-on favorite to win Best Picture of the Year. Um... You know, in my listing of stuff again, which we'll go over in two weeks. That's some rant for today, huh? Let me tell you what I did on uh, Sunday. I went to the Soho House. Olga took me to the Soho House. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's a well, it's a place where uh, you know the elite go to hang out. But it's for artists, so you're not allowed to wear a suit there, and you have to be membershipped in, and they're all over the world. Sarah's taken me to the one in L.A., and Olga and Emilio from the New York Comedy Club, the owner of the New York Comedy Club, are members of this place, and that's all they want to take me to. Is it fun? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's okay. It's pretty people. I feel like I've aged out there, because they do have an age limit, but... Um, I'm sure they'd let me in if I had my own TV show. It's not even an issue, but they have a pool and everything. The best place is the Dumbo one because that view. I think I told you is spectacular. But you know, is like, oh, let's go here, and this is all I can think of when I go to this place. Come on, honey, let's go, huh? <laughs> hey, boys, how are you? Huh? Hey, how are you? How, are you? how are you? Hey, we're both starving. When do we eat, huh? You, you. You have worn out your welcome at Bushwood, sir. Is that so? Who made you pope of this dump, huh? Bushwood? A dump? Well, I'll guarantee you'll never be a member here. Member? Are you kidding? You think I'd join this crummy snobatorium? But this whole place sucks. That's right, it sucks. Only reason I'm here is maybe I'll buy it. Buy? Bushwood? You... 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 You can't no Gentlemen, please, what's going on? Um, That's the way I feel. I'm like, I wouldn't join this crummy snobatorium if you paid me. Because that's what it is, technically. But they have a really good brunch, although it wasn't that great. But it turned out to be great. Like, it wasn't that great because in L.A. they really have, like, space and they have a really terrific brunch. But I think I, I feel like Rodney Dangerfield going in there because I go in, I get the brunch because I want the brunch. Olga doesn't get the brunch. Forty five dollars, you know all you can eat until the brunch thing closes at like six or seven. You know we were there like one, so I'm like, all right, I'll get the brunch; it'll be fun. You know I can just keep going back or whatever. And then they they have an egg stage. The guy will make you eggs, but I don't like the eggs for a brunch. I like the vat of scrambled eggs. The vat of scrambled eggs you can just pile onto your plate. Those are always the most delicious scrambled eggs for some reason. Is the vat of scrambled eggs made for a hundred? <laughs> But you know, that ain't classy. So they got a guy with the station there, which I hate. You're like waiting, I'm like, all right, I want scrambled eggs, can you make it with this? Uh, you know, it's all right. I mean, you get you pile on some bacon and you know, then they got the shrimp, oh, they got the shrimp, they got some oysters and stuff. That's all part of the forty five bucks it's a pretty good deal. And you get some coffee and you get a mimosa or something, it's pretty good. But I didn't eat that much and then you know, I finished. But then Emilio came in. We didn't know we were going to see him there. And then, you know, I and then I, I think I ate again. I got some shrimp. And then he was like, hey, can you get me some uh, stuff? And I, you know, then so I mean, I really did keep going back. I wanted to get cookies. I got dessert. So I got to say, for the $45, it was a pretty good deal. So you can just kind of sit there. Because that's all you do at the Soha's. I guess you get sucked in. It's like being at the cellar. You get sucked in. And you just sit there for hours just hanging out and just ask him for it but it's not like you get it for free i had to pay for it all I had to pay for well, i paid for it. she didn't need anything girl doesn't need anything so you got to pay and um you know but you got to pay for all your meals and everything i'm not exactly sure what the benefits for being a member are except it's a place to hang out and work on your screenplay it's the new starbucks for the elite i guess but you know i i, I could become a member it's like $3000 a year i guess but um because elon's wife is in charge of membership, but uh I don't I don't want to be a member there. Cause I wouldn't join that crummy snobbatorium if it paid me. The only reason I'm here is because I'm thinking about buying the place. That's what I'm gonna tell everybody next time. Meanwhile, I'd like to get my niece a job there. So if anybody knows anybody <laughs> Yeah. Uh yeah, so and then um Yeah, then we went out with some other girl came that Amelia knows that apparently is a matchmaker. And she goes, if you help me get in the club, I'll set you up with somebody. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Good luck, sweetheart. That's now that's a show. I'm gonna run her out of business. She's never gonna be able to find somebody for me. I don't have time for nonsense. And then uh Yeah, so I was thinking about the the, the Comedy Solar show on Monday was really good. And then oh, and then I won the, you know, the national championship. I went all in an LSU. So that worked out well. So I was pretty happy. I hung out with a you know a couple of couple of chicks and stuff. But nobody hung out after except me and uh my friend Lee and his friend from home and these two girls. So it was perfect. I could actually sit down and, and talk to people. It was good. And then I think I went back to the cellar and me and Atel and outside Steve uh went to the diner after and I got home around six in the morning, but I was thrilled. It was a good night. I did good. The show was good. I made some money. Why can't it be like that at least once a week for me? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got I to gotta work something out. So it's that. Why can't I be that happy from working once a week? That would be amazing. But, if, you know, once a month will work. But if I'm not getting the, you know, once I I need I need to work more. Can't just rely on once a month. Even if now we don't even know if we're getting a show in February. But uh, so on Thursday, I went to Governor's with Olga uh you know the comedy club out in Long Island because uh the owner was like oh when when's Dave gonna come back which made me so happy that he likes me because I like him a lot too like I said you know we're about the same age and you know we know all the the greats from the 80s so I enjoy talking to he's such a nice guy and you know you it's just drinking and eating and it's great you know um but, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a trek out there. you gotta, you, know, you got to go to Penn Station. you got to take the train. Everybody's commuting. You know I hate that. Olga doesn't mind. She goes out there like three, four times a week. I don't know how she does it. This is why I was okay at my job for 20 years. There was no commute involved. I just walked to work every day. But if I had to commute, as many people do, I'd go crazy. I can't deal with the commuting train, you know, at regular hours. Can I take a train on a Saturday 3 o'clock in the afternoon? Absolutely. But during, like, regular rush hours, it's horrible. And then you have to take an Uber there too, so it's not like it's just the train lets you off at the place. But it's all right once in a while. And I had a good time. I got into a fight with this one girl, and that almost ruined my good time. But I made up with her because this girl, so she, her name is Michelle Fox, and she uh, is the MC. She was the MC, and she's really pretty and very nice. And she's the MC, and she forgot to, she messed up her timing, and this guy said, "Well, that's my time." And she wasn't anywhere near it, and then she runs on stage. It was no nope, nobody cares. You know, she's got to bring up like fifty people, and the owner worships her the way she, the way he does Olga. You know, so they can really do no wrong. And then I said, I guess I shouldn't have said. I I said in front of the owner, I'm like, well, remember you did the same thing to me last time I was here, uh, and I got off, and then you were nowhere to be found. She's like, no, I didn't, and I'm like, no, you did. And she goes, I have a tape. I'm like, I have the tape too. It clearly says. You know, you, you can watch it. it. You were late. And I was like, where is she? Where is she? You know, I mean, I don't know what tape she's looking at. And she, she let me have it. She could never do that to me in front of the owner again. And I was like, I didn't even think about it that way because what she doesn't know is that the owner was completely making fun of her before she got there. So he already knew she's a little wacky, but he doesn't care. You know, I think she's, um, I understand. She's, I guess everybody thinks they're, it's like the way I am at the cellar, right? I don't think anybody really cares what I do, but I'm very uptight that they do. So I guess I understand how she feels because if somebody did that way in front of Liz or Esty, I'd probably be livid. So in that sense, but I, I'm, I, I, I messed up. You know, I didn't think about it. I wasn't thinking twice because I'm like friendly with James more than being a comic there, and I just assume her and Olga can do no wrong, so there's no reason... I can't say stuff in front of him. We were just joking around. And like I said, she didn't hear us joking around about her beforehand. But boy, well, she let me have it. It was so cute. Um, I mean, it was, you know, she was just so angry. She's so adorable. So it was, it's and you know, my, the what I do to make girls so angry at me all the time, it's fascinating. I mean, you really have to respect it at this point. But uh, fortunately, we made up before I go on because I got a problem. You know, I can't go on if I know she's so mad at me. She almost ruined our day. Olga's even like, she she ruined she ruined our night, right? I'm like, yeah, I know, but I feel horrible. And, you know, we made up. Thank God. I really, I just, I can't perform if I know she's that angry at me, you know. Meanwhile, I talk to Elon. He goes, yeah, you're talking about the day when she didn't make it on stage? I mean, see, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's worse if you're remembering something that didn't happen. But Anyway, so that night, you know, afterwards, so it was great. He was like, Dave, you want, something to eat? you want something to eat? He goes, yeah, get the steak tips, and we'll get a couple of nachos, you know, stuff like I love the way you order. You know, he owns the place, so it was beautiful. That made me happy. After I perform, I'm fine. And then we were, we're drinking. We're drinking. We're having a good time. We're drinking, and we're there. And the, the guys we bought went home already, but I, got, I stayed till the end. They gave us an Uber home. It's like 3.30 in the morning, and I'm like, to Olga, I'm like, can we go now? Or I mean, uh, you know, I, I hate being that guy, but it was 3.30 in the morning. I, I don't have to work the next day. Or thing. I'm like, are you ready to go? And, you know, there was nobody there. It was just the four of us, me, the owner's wife, and Olga. And he's like, hey, let's go to the other club. I got to close out. And I go, well, let's just go home. And she's like, well, do you want to get an Uber? I'm like, wait, they're not going to get us an Uber? And she's like, I think we have to go to the other club. And I'm like, Ugh. so then I remember it's like, it's like four in the morning already. And again, yeah, you know, I got nothing to do the next day, but you know, you know, it's four in the morning and I'll never forget, you know, I'm a little, I'm loaded, but I'm aware of my surroundings and we're in the car and I'm looking at the signs on the highway and we're going further into Long Island. And I remember that feeling. I'm like, oh my God, we're going further into Long Island. We're going further away from home at four, four thirty in the morning. You know, this is insane. And then we went, but it was no big deal. We went. I mean, it, you know, that's all I was thinking about. I'm like, I got to talk about this in the podcast. I don't know why. Because you got that feeling of just, you're never going to get home. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. And then we went to the other place, had another drink. And then they uh, got us the Uber. We went home. Uh, they dropped me off at, you know, in the West Village where she lives. And it was freezing. And I never want, she's like, well, the car can take you home. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want them to do that. If they go to your place, I don't want any trouble. So I got out and I walked, and it was, you know, I was going to take one of those vias that's cheaper, but it was like an 11 minute wait. It was like nine degrees. I'm like, I'm just, I think I can treat myself to a taxi today. So then I had to take a taxi home from there. I could finally get home at like 630 in the morning, which was insane, but still a good time. But I just keep remembering those, those Long Island signs of like, you know, and that used to happen to me all the time when I would do gigs outside of the city and you see these signs that you're just not familiar with and you're in some other place whether it's Pennsylvania or upstate or Ohio and you're like why am i why am i in this car with this person at 4:30 in the morning going somewhere else when i should be going home you know because for, that's why i hate taking cabs and going somewhere else because once you get into a car after you've been drinking i'm going to say the person who was driving wasn't drinking but it's like the night seems to be over i mean you can get it back again but it's like once you get in the car and you're not Drinking still and everything, and it's not you know. You're I don't know. It's just like you lose the momentum, and then you're like, if I'm in a car, I should be just going home already. This is ridiculous, but whatever. Uh, oh no no I had three other things. I saw in the paper today. Obviously, as you know, the stupid stupid Rock and Roll Hall of Fame also is a bag of shit, like the Screen Actors Guild. And they, you know, are inducting Whitney Houston. I mean, how many times are we going to talk about this? Change the name of your stupid place. Just call it the Music Hall of Fame. Whitney Houston is not rock and roll. And I can classify it by giving you the definition of rock and roll on Wikipedia, which I don't feel like looking up right now. And Whitney Houston will not meet any of those qualifications. Notorious B.I.G. is also not rock and roll. But for some reason, I can let that go more than Whitney Houston. Should Whitney Houston be in A Hall of Fame? Absolutely, hands down. Just not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So change your fucking name. And you're not going to put Pat Benatar in it. Then you guys suck anyway. Because if you're going to put Whitney Houston over Pat Benatar for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, You stink. There's a new exhibit of sled dogs at the Museum of the Dog here in New York City, which I didn't even know existed. I'm so excited. I actually want to go. Isn't that the stupidest thing you've ever heard of? I want to go to the Museum of the Dog and see the exhibition, the exhibition, did I say that? The exhibit of sled dogs. <laughs> I cannot tell you why. But when I was reading it, they were talking about sled dogs. What, what, yeah, yeah, They said, Focusing on the five main breeds that are used for this snowy sport, the Alaskan Malimut, the Chinook, and the Newfoundland. But the Alaskan Malimut was the best one because I remember this cartoon as a kid, and I say it again many times over the years, for who knows what reason. Oh, Klondike, now I think I'll really be able to enjoy this delicious te- uh, steak. I say, my steak is gone. And so's mine. And the pickle. And yeah, the catsup. Everything. Yeah, but who could have done it? Several faire is everywhere. <laughs> Mosh There it is. Mosh Malamot. I say that all the time. Savoir is everywhere. Mush, Malimut. Now I know why he was called Malimut. I was confused of why that dog was called Malimut. Now I understand. The evil Savoir this is a, a cartoon from the 60s called Klondike Cat. It was never very good. It was up there with, I guess, um, Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know, one of those like fractured fairy tales kind of cartoon things. It's maybe something that uh, Howard Stern's dad worked on or something. But I just remember that mouse. Savoir faire. Savoir faire. Savoir faire. Savoir faire is everywhere. Mush malimut. So if I go to the Museum of Dog and I go with somebody, they're going to be like, why do you keep saying mush malimut? And then uh, I'll explain to them why. Also, they had an article this week on now that, you know, it's the championship, Super Bowl, March Madness, that New Jersey has made billions on legalized gambling and how New York has just completely missed out because the governor's stupid. He's stupid. He's an idiot. He's a Cuomo. All the Cuomos are dumb. This They're horrible. They got to be replaced. They got to get another Pataki in. You missed out on all this money. You missed out on marijuana money. You're a moron. It's really, look at these two things that you don't seem to want to push through are making their, their states billions of dollars, but New York doesn't want to be a part of it, which, of course... You know, would help me to no end. But whatever, until they figure it out. Well, that's our show for today, but we are all looking forward, obviously, to next week. And, you know, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, Thursday is the big day. Two days from now, 3462 just is the number to call at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday. Now, I assume we'll go an hour and a half, so you can call at 7.30, you can call at 8 o'clock. And you call that number. You leave a 15-second message. Hi, this is, um, you know, Dave Curry. I'm calling about turbocharge. And then you will be able to hear me talking to other people or, uh, you know, whatever I'm doing, ranting and raving. And then I will pick up on you. I will pick up the call and then we will have a conversation. I, I, I don't know what else I can say about that. And we will wing it. And and hopefully Memo will be here. You can talk to him, too. So that's the plan. Can everything go horribly? I hope it does. Otherwise, what's the point? <laughs> I only wish it was all video. Re- oh, I should video record it, right? But, you know, I don't like the way I look at the camera. So. But I probably should bring in somebody to record it. It should be, it would be rather classic. But is it, though? Is it fun watching a podcast? I don't know. I know Artie's is on YouTube. It's not a bad idea. It's not a good idea either. So, But anyway, that's the story for this week. And that episode will come out next week. But please call in 3462-JUSKOW. And call in and talk to me, your pal, Dave Joskow, on the night fly next week. So that is the plan. And uh, then uh, the week, and I guess we'll, well, I guess we'll talk about, uh, you know, who will think will win the Super Bowl and my bets and stuff like that. But we'll also uh, talk to you. And the week after that, we'll talk about the Oscars. Everything's going to be great. Everything's going to work out fine. <laughs> we'll see, I guess. But anyway, the point being... I will see you next week on the podcast, and do not forget to call in this Thursday at 7. You will not want to miss it. It could be the greatest nightfly of all time. So we'll see you then. Good night, everybody. Until next week, this is The Nightfly. fly wish to be? Must put aside.